and welcome to the Track Talk podcast. We are back with an episode covering a whole number of things, and we've got the whole gang to cover them. Jay and Charlotte, how are you guys all right? I'm great. Uh, I got to meet you finally in the flesh, Dan, for the first time. I know. The weekend just gone. Dan is actually... um, He's very tall, is Dan. Charlotte, for the clarify. His, I mean, maybe Charlotte and I are just quite cool, but Dan is absolutely ginormous, honestly. He makes Estocon look small. <laughs> five foot eleven, that's not tall. Charlotte's just five foot, so anyone would look tall. Yeah. But I think Ocon is taller than Dan. Yeah, Ocon's like six, three or something. Yeah. But he's Ocon gassing you up, so... Yeah, Jay, you're like there an inch are. taller than me. He's really not that not that different but i'll take i'll take it you know we'll see 5 11 but maybe six foot in the mornings i'm also two years older than you though. yeah oh, but well. i don't think i'll grow anymore anyway um yeah we met for the first time as a three finally yesterday I'd seen charlotte yeah, before seen charlotte at silverstone see. charlotte had seen jay before but we met as a group at the formula e in london it was decent actually you know what it's pretty good i had a really great time it was i thought a really good race I, I guess agree. we'll start with this. I think we'll start yeah. with Formula E. Sure. Yeah, I wasn't going to, but we kind of started talking about it. So why not? And then Charlotte, I mean, as your first E Prix. Okay. Um, I didn't know if we wanted to start with you, Jay, only because of NDV, but I'll go. Um, yeah, I think it was a really, really fun event. Obviously, there was as a double header. There was the Saturday E Prix and the Sunday. We all went to the Sunday um, with. A big announcement, Antonio Giovinazzi. Big up, Antonio oh, Giovinazzi. Oh, three in qualifying, his first head to head. When he won that duel, I swear to you, I've never known anything like it. I mean, well, that's a lie. I've known a lot of things like it. But for Formula E, <laughs> the crowd was like pretty insane for Giovinazzi. Like, bear in mind, in F1, he probably had like five fans. <laughs> Whereas Formula so E. What what was the word you used him you used to describe him, Sean? So, um there was a point in Formula One <laughs> that I found him a little bit forgettable. But then oh, okay. I said that about Ocon. Yeah, but I think for me to say someone's forgettable, it like lights a fire under their bum. Because look, Gio had some mad qualities, right? And then look at his performance yesterday. Then we look at Ocon. What the sports he is doing this season. I think it's all down to me. Uh, Ocon and Giovinazzi, if you're listening, hello. Thank you for listening. Thank you, guys. Uh, being I'm so in, glad my being inspired. worked. <laughs> yeah, I'm Mrs. Sure Charlotte of uh, some paddock passes or something to say thanks. And three of them, yeah, preferably, think... so me and Jay can tag along as well. Yeah, that would be fair, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a really great, really great race. Jake Dennis took pole, you know, the British driver. Um, it was quite interesting how the championship protagonists were a bit further back in the field we had van dorn mm. further back um nick devries uh lucas Rassi, mitch evans um, is quite far back yeah mitch evans so it kind of was a bit of a shaken up grid if you want to say especially that you know, there's only one more um grand prix taking place in a few weeks time in seoul south korea Mm. Do you know I I quite enjoyed it. Although I think I need to stress to people that uh, <laughs> so Charlotte and Dan were sitting somewhere, and I was somewhere else, just because I guess <laughs> clearly we just don't get along that well. I had to go sit no. elsewhere. I got I, I was forced out of the bandstand. No, so where I was sitting, I was sort of Charlotte and Dan were 
uh, just near the start line, and I was over the back of the circuit on the outside bit. I think Jack Nichols used to uh, kept calling it Custom House, which I guess is a fitting name for the corner. It's the tube stop. Exactly. It's the tube stop. And the, well, actually, technically, it's not a tube stop because Elizabeth London DLR, and they're not tubes. All right, well, you know what? But let's not get into the intricacies of, <laughs> of London transport. Spot anyway. who lives in London out of the three of us here. Hashtag sponsored by TFL. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. Every journey has um, us. It does. It really does. But, um, where I was, there was no big screen, so I could not follow the action at all. Um, so quite often, I was kind of waiting for them to come round and just trying to sort of work out what happened. Do you know what I did? Last night, I watched the highlights, and I was like, oh my god, what a rate. I have missed <laughs> so much of this. Because like, you just have no concept of what's going on. And like, on the first lap, there was a massive crash. Oh. I didn't even know there was a massive crash. There was. Um, oh my gosh. We saw quite a few where we were sat. Not crashes, was, but a yeah. lot of them hit the wall. Not to rub it in or anything. Turn, turn three. I think turn. it would have been about turn three. Yeah, three or four. so our grandstand was basically just before they uh, went outside. So yeah. we saw them coming down the start, and you know there was that tight and twisty chicane. Um, there was a few collisions and people diving on the inside. Um, and yeah, honestly, it was. A really, I really enjoyed it. It was great. I would like to say that the cars do actually go really fast, but um, my videos and I feel the, the coverage at times do not do it justice. <laughs> it looked really anticlimactic when I watched it back. Um, but no, honestly, I, I had a wonderful time. Um, and yeah, Nick DeVries, P3. I think we have to shout uh, him out. I'm just glad he came P3. I mean, I couldn't really tell where he was because one lap he was P2, then he was like P3. And like, I, I had to keep counting back how far back he was. Like, I had no lead or anything like that. And then I saw him catching, I think it was uh, Dennis at the end because I've got well past. Done. Yeah, you go, see. And not those on point, but it wasn't quite enough in the end. But you know, P3, he would have came P3 on Saturday if he didn't. Uh, I think he rammed. Nick Cassidy into the wall afterwards uh, during yeah, the race. Yeah, got a five-second penalty, yeah, didn't Ridiculous, he? really. Yeah, that's just Nickest. Anyway, um, you know, I'm sure we'll get into him later in the podcast, Nick DeVry, and I can't wait to get onto that section. <laughs> yeah, Dan, how, did, how was your E3? Oh, go on, Charlotte. Oh, no, I was just very, very, very quickly say, um, congrats also to Luke Degrassi, who got his first win of the season, and we saw how much it meant to him, and it was really nice to hear Ooh. the Brazilian national anthem on the podium. Can I just say, actually, dear, that, that was very nice to hear, actually, even though I couldn't hear from where I was, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> when I watched the highlights later, I thought, oh, that's good to hear the national anthem again. Um, no, I, I I did speak to Degrassi very briefly in the week, in the build-up to the Grotz of the pre. <laughs> Yeah, I know, I know. Mic drop. I know. Look Mic at drop. that cheeky little numbers. But, I say, he is, I know, he, he asked me for one. Say, he is the nicest <laughs> what I meant. driver I've ever met. I mean, I can't say I've met any other drivers other than um, my dad. But he is the nicest driver I've I, I've met. I've met, And I would love to take him to dinner one day and like pick his brains about everything motorsport. So, Degrassi, if you're listening, um, send us the soul. We'll try and get him on if you want. <laughs> Anything. It's better than nothing. Um. Anyway, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I was a bit... When we were on the way, I was like, is this noise going to be really annoying? Because it's no mm. secret, I'm not really a fan of the noise of the Formula E cars. It's so quiet in person. They're not yeah, annoying really at all. You don't um, hear, though. 
whole no, time. No, not at all. I also found it quite funny that Jay had on paper the best seats out of all of us and had no idea what was going on throughout the whole race. <laughs> but is the seats were absolutely amazing, but it was literally like, oh, whiz, 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 whiz. <laughs> and then about another minute before they come past again. Was... You know what? My highlight, actually, I think, of the whole thing, which is really shouldn't really be a highlight, but Dan and I like are watching about the race, to say we're the loving thing. life. We're loving life. Um, we're mentioning that there's drama. There's drama yeah, everywhere. That's what I was just about to say. And Jay then replies, like, a minute later, drama? And it just absolutely <laughs> what drama? killed me. I literally just showed Dan um, the message because I don't think he saw it straight away. I was laughing so much because, I mean, we had the commentary, we had the screen, we had the live timings up on our phone. Why Jay didn't have the live timings yeah, up on his phone? Yeah, I did, I did miss a beat me. there. I did miss a beat there. But like, there was just no... <laughs> I couldn't visualise anything. I've had to say, I, I was very knowledgeable for the section track that I, that I could see. Other than that, I didn't have a clue. <laughs> It's kind of like going to, like I guess, a football match and only seeing, like, one quarter of the pitch. Yeah. You know? I mean, that was funny. I also quite enjoyed after the race when Jay was like, I had no idea if anyone was in attack mode, and I pointed out the blue on the top of the halo, and Jay just goes, oh, yeah, I just thought that was a nice design feature. And I was like, oh, oh God. I really thought that suited Nick DeVries' car, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I think- love him. I only missed it on the um, on the on the Mercs. I mean, I think I think I, I did see some red ones, but I thought, oh, they're on red cars. Maybe that's like the kind of theme they'll go for. And for someone who actually watches its Formula E quite a lot, I've, I've watched pretty much all of the race weekend, and I've never known that to be a thing. So um, you know what? Even though you watch something a lot, you can always learn new things, people. Indeed. <laughs> Anything else from the Formula E? Oh, Sam Bird. Well done, my friend. He. Well, I say my friend. I've spoken to him once. Um. But oh, well, he'd he raced the whole flexing. race with a broken hand. He broke his Man hand on drivers. and still came P8, which is pretty impressive. Fair play. It uh, really, really was. Um, I would also like to say, just once again, just more heartbreak about Anthony Giovinazzi, that I was really excited about his oh, qualifying performance. And it just seems like he doesn't have very good luck because he maintained P3. Dan and I were like, yes, go on. You know, he had De Costa completely breathing down his neck. But no. He had to have a drive-through penalty due to overpower, and then later in the race, he just retired. And I don't actually know the reason. But he gave up. <laughs> he was done with it. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. It, it was very sad. But, yeah, if anyone else is at the Formula E, hope you enjoyed it. We had a great time. But let's talk about some Formula One. There's been a lot of news recently. The first coming out a few days ago. In I don't think many people saw it coming. Seb's, no. Seb's going. Seb's retiring. And I mean, the, the man I want to ask about this isn't here and he's never been here. But a friend of ours is a very good Seb fan and he is very, very sad. How, Sorry, how are you guys this... feeling? Wait, who's this friend of ours? Oh, okay. yes. Yeah, you know I remember who the him friend now. of ours is. Yeah, okay. Um, sorry, friend, if you're listening. <laughs> you know who you are. Um, no, I, 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 I did say... I think I said a few racing things ago that Seb would leave at the end of the season, he would retire. And I said, oh, I predicted Danny, Danny Rick would go to Aston Martin, which obviously isn't true. But I feel like I called this, I saw this coming from a long way away. So, uh, you know. Oh. Okay, sorry. Sorry, um, no, I was, pause, it was a bit, a bit, a bit of a brief one. I was right, um, I was going to say. Yeah, Short I mean, sweet. it was kind of like a... a a cheeky announcement if you want to say because uh 
it just all of a sudden we saw him have social media and we know Seb is a very private man and um he doesn't have any social media when he was announced that he was on instagram maybe twitter as well i know instagram for sure just instagram and it was I think yeah and then he just thought oh, okay by the way while i'm here i'm retiring and i am absolutely heartbroken if i'm being honest because not only has he had a very 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 successful career he's one of the best drivers of all time you could argue but what he does for the sport is so much better like his advocism advocate oh my god Advocism. That's not a word, is it? Activism. It's, yeah, it's activism and advocating is what I think I was trying to get out um, for human rights, sustainability, all those kind of important subjects. We, we we're gonna miss someone like that within the sport, you know. Him walking around Silverstone last year, picking up litter from the grandstands. Like, there's no other driver like that. And I think it's lovely that he's going to be with his family. It's very well-deserved, but there's going to be a massive Seb hole missing within F1. Do you know what? It's interesting because I think Seb's kind of gone a bit of a villain figure to this very lovable character. I remember, right, and I know I never say this, but I went to the 2013 British Grand Prix. Right? And uh, Hamilton had a tyre failure and Vettel was leading. And Vettel, every lap he came, I was sitting, I think around Luffield, every single time he came past, he was getting booed the absolute living daylights out of. And then he's, I think, all in the FL or in a gearbox issue. Crowd cheered like Hamilton had won the race and it was just Vettel retiring, right? And now, you think about it, no one hates Vettel. And I think, you know, maybe since he's left. Um, Red Bull, and I guess you know he never been in the best car since he left Red Bull. Maybe it's like he's planning to come for a little bit more. You know, I think he's a very funny man. He's a very intelligent man. He's very well spoken, very eloquent. Speaks amazing English as well. Um, mm. Just an all around good guy. I think yeah, like Charlotte said, he's going to be Mister in the paddock. It's weird. He's only what, what nine races left of left of Seb. I feel like he kind of fulfilled the pantomime villain role though that Max is fulfilling now. Like there's always someone. Mm going up against Lewis you know the, the British fans are going to hate and Lewis will be always be hated by his arch rivals fans but I'm going to miss Seb I, everyone kind of saw it coming I would be lying if I said it wasn't slightly amusing how excited everyone was that he created Instagram just to be immediately disappointed <laughs> in the afternoon that was a little bit funny but you know he's done so much for the sport I think he'll keep doing so much good stuff and to be honest he should take over the Ferrari strategy team he should we'll do, get he should do. Well, speaking of um, futures for Seb what do you think he'll be doing next season nothing well I, I don't know if he will do anything because he mentioned a lot about staying with family however yeah. I thought was quite interesting and I think they were half joking half being serious was extreme that's what I was thinking saying oh we will have a seat for you Seb which suits him a lot it's racing electric racing is very much a sport that well not a sport but like a series that is trying to promote and raise awareness climate change and you know the important raising issues that we're having with you know r rising temperatures the melting of the ice caps litter in the oceans a lot of things that screams Seb and it's not as frequent you know yeah, it's quite you... sporadic I think that's the key point the fact that it's like once a month or once every other month or something. But what it's I'm six saying times is a year. For him, 
to do that, it's not as taxing as Formula One calendar. Mm. So this yeah, yeah. way you could still do a bit of racing, but still and you'll be with family and do, you know, whatever else you'd like to do. I mean, I do get I do get why he's retiring, because a racing driver races to win and he's fighting for P ten against Lance Stroll. And it's like you're never going to get first choice in that team because of who owns the team. You're fighting for nothing when you're Sebastian Vettel and you've won four world championships. It's not good. There's going to be yeah. no motivation there. He's been in the sport long no, enough. I agree. I I think you know the fact that I think if he was you know a team who could score points and maybe you know nip the podium, I think he maybe would have stuck a bit long. But that Aston Martin is is poor, really, isn't it? It's like it's kind of good. I think this year it's not fantastic. It's very easy to get delusioned when you're, you know, getting not down Q1 every week. So, yeah, sad to see Seb go, but um, wish, wish him all the best. I'm sure we'll do in his next venture. Maybe Track Talk's fourth member. <laughs> I mean, that would be quite the member. We'll, we'll <laughs> take it, Seb, if you're listening. You know, drop us a message on Insta, uh, on uh, Twitter at underscore Track Talk. We'll get you on. Anyway. Um, and then another move no one saw coming. I was at work today when this was announced, and someone I work with is a big F1 fan, and she was just as amazed as me. Alonso's going Aston. El Has plan. he seen how bad that car is? I think this is L Plan B, not L Plan. <laughs> like, he must have run out of like, what's what's gone wrong? Something must have gone wrong. That's a massive backwards step. I'm baffled. Is that, he, is that he? He's only had he had a two year contract when he even turned to Alpine, and I don't know if yeah. they've renewed it. Maybe Alpine. Maybe this is more on Alpine side of things that you know they really want to get Piastri in. But Alonso's been I so think good this really year. Really shocked that he's left because from what the race yeah. was saying, he's kind of gone. Oh, I'm going Aston, and Alpine are kind of gone. Oh, Unless, um, well, oh, bye. Unless I think I can think is you know he he's seen the vision of Lawrence Stroll, you know, chucking a load of money at it. Will Will Renault or well, yeah, Alpine or Renault, you know, throw the amount of money required to become a front-running team? Probably not. Uh, maybe he's getting a, maybe he's getting a nicer paycheck. You know, he's getting to the end of I mean, he's definitely at the end of his career. He's trying to make as much money as he possibly can before he does eventually retire. Um, you know, all these factors that are probably coming in. I think if he goes to Aston Martin, be the team leader. I think there's been a bit of friction between him and Ocon, but I can't see that being the reason to leave. I don't think um, I mean, I mean, hungry. I mean, there's I been like the odd, yeah, the odd, the odd bit, or but I don't salary. think anything that will affect his thinking. Every team has that. Yeah, I think I don't know the most. Can, you know. Sorry, go on, Jay. No, I just came out the blue. Um, I was, I was shocked. I can, I remember seeing it earlier at work, and I was like, wow. Yeah. That's very I'm, bizarre. I was really surprised, and I think I'd have much more confidence in his decision. And I get what you're saying about like Aston are on a rebuild, Lawrence Stroll's putting loads of money and everything. But they had the perfect chance to do that this year, and they couldn't have got it more wrong if they tried. So, like, what gives him the confidence that next year will be better? I, I, I don't know. Sure. Sorry, I didn't know if it was my time. Um, <laughs> Your time to shine. Take the floor. Yeah, yeah. Because I was kept. I, I was ready to say something. Um. Well. Yes, yeah, kind of random in a strange way. I don't think any of us predicted that. But then we really start to slowly think about it. L plan does make sense. As we all know, Aston Martin have a five-year plan. They want to be a championship winning car, being at the top. Five years, that's all going on. They brought in Seb, a four-time world champion. Heaps of experience and knowledge with, obviously, Lance Stroll, who has got a bit of youth still on his side. 
I mean, he's still quite young. I don't know why I'm saying that. I think he's my age. Um, but he's been in this for a while himself. Um, Dan, why are you looking so shocked? I just, I feel like Lance Stroll's been in this sport so long. I think of him as being like 27. I know, that's what I was just saying. Like, in my head, oh, yeah, he's 26. I can't believe he's your I'm pretty age. sure. Yeah. Uh, let me check. No, he must be older than you, surely. No, he's my age, yeah. <laughs> he's 23. He's born 1998. Wow. So he will be 24 oh. in October. Crikey. Um, I know, right? Um, but anyways, I digress. To have, you know, someone like Sebastian leave, Alonso seems a very clear option. We have a two-time world champion. We have someone with heaps and heaps of racing experience. It's kind of like a like-for-like like kind of swap. Also, we all know that the car ain't great. However... Alonso has made it very clear that he wants to stay in the sport and to be honest as much as it almost annoys me in the sense I feel like he shouldn't just because you know of his age I think there's so much new emerging young talent that should be in the sport but he's performing so well so I I want to see Alonso in there you see that kind of racing um anymore but he want more than a one year deal with Alpine and I think Alpine prepared to definitely commit for more than just a one deal i think they were more than happy to have him next year but to then sign a multi-year deal i think for them is a risk especially with piastri being their guy they want the most with him being in their young drivers academy but also to champion their reserve driver like we all know that piastri deserves that Alpine seat so i think Obviously, Aston Martin have given him that multi-year deal. That seemed to be the most attractive option. And obviously, he's willing to work with the team. They want to win. He wants to win. I guess nothing can go wrong. I get it from Aston's point of view. I think it's a win-win from their point of view. I don't really get it from Alonso's point of view. And I feel like it's a bit of a risk for Aston as well. Because if they... Um, get Alonso in and then produce a car that's absolutely crap like this year's car, he's going to be fuming. And I don't think he'll get on particularly well with Lance Stroll. But we'll mm. have to see on that one. But I guess I can see what, what Stroll is saying where Alonso's coming from. That if Alpine are only going to give him a one-year deal and he wants to stick around for a bit longer, you might as well take the vacancy while it's there. This is like an yeah, opportunity true. for him to sort of, you know, extend his stay in Formula 1. Because if he stayed at Alpine for another year... You know, and then they say, no, we're bringing Piastri. Where's realistically going to go? Not many places, really. So, it's part of me from Alonso. But, I must ask you guys two questions. Yeah, that's, I guess. Two questions. Uh, so, obviously, next season, there's going to be two seats on the grid. Uh, the vacant one at Alpine. And, of course, if we put Latifi to go, the wow. teammate with Albon. I mean, Sean. I'm not... Going. I'm not convinced yeah. now, actually. I'm not convinced Latifi's going anywhere, and that's not because I'm saying he's a really good driver and deserves his seat in F1. But the rumour was Latifi gone, Piastri replaces him on loan from Alpine because Alonso's staying at Alpine. But if he's not, would Williams keep Latifi purely for the money he brings in, develop mm. a car for a little bit, try and get back up there, and then bin Latifi off? Right. Rather okay. than bin him off now. So let me rephrase it. So I guess we're all in agreement that Piastri will take the Alpine yeah? No, no. Unless there. he says no, yeah, he deserves it. He's, 
yeah, he's definitely going to go there. So, probably, what, three people in the running for this Williams seat? Desperate to make a point. <laughs> my finger nearer to the camera. Sorry, I can't see you. You're it's basically you're poking Jay in the face. Go at on. That point. Sorry. Yes. Sure. I was wondering why Jay was like not letting me talk. Well, is Gasly a definite name crossed out? Well, he, he's, he's got a contract. Re- he's got a contract yeah. with Alpha Definitely he, no chance he can get out of that contract because. That would be a really good opportunity move for him if, like we're saying, Petrie doesn't go to Alpine, instead goes to a team like Williams. That's a good I, point. I, I reckon Gasly's kicking himself. I think he is. I reckon. If, if yeah. he's on for a bit I longer. Hope he is because I was just about to say that. It might have been in Alpine's best interest to send Piastri to Williams to sort of let him develop a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And then have Gasly there. For a couple of years, obviously, Gasly's a proven F1 driver, but and he's French. French. And he's so French. I still think Ocon's going to get that Merck seat as well. Just, I don't. I just don't know. I don't. I don't. I, don't, I mean, I don't. So do I think he say. deserves it? No. Do I think he'll get I it? I also yes. don't think Ham's going to tie next year. I feel so yeah. confident about that. I think, I think it depends on the car. I think. It, uh, although yeah. I think if he if he wins, he'll he'll retire. Go eight. If he gets an eight, oh yeah. He's if gone. he wins the championship, yeah. But, I think if he'd already won it, he'd be gone. I don't know. He looks like he has so much fight in him. And you see him, like, the last few weeks getting consecutive podiums. You can see that like, fight and hunger and, like, he's still so pumped and motivated. Yeah, he did show that hunger and hungry. Um, but, so. Right, so. <laughs> back to it. Sorry, Jake. Back, back, to, back to the point. Uh, okay, so if, if we assume that Piastri goes to Alpine and Gasly Alpha Tauri, there's probably three people who could get the Williams seat. So I'll see if he stays. Logan Sargent from Formula 2. I think he's third place currently. Or... Say it. I wonder who. Hendrik De Vries. Hendrik? Yeah, that's his real name, Hendrik. Is, Is it? it? Yeah, his name's not Nick, it's Hendrik. Oh I did not know that. It's Let's like some long name, and it's just because oh, I'm, I'm a big fan. Anyway, so God, who's your money on? Do you want an honest answer? Yeah. Yeah, go on, Dan. Well, right, I don't, don't think to they're me. getting rid of Latifi purely because of his sponsorship. Interesting. But I don't know. The, the team seem to back Latifi. This is what I mean. I don't know if they're doing it just to be nice. If Latifi <laughs> goes. I'm still not putting my money on De Vries. I can't see him getting into F1. And I want him to, but I can't see him getting into F1. I would put a decent chunk on Djokovic, you know. If he gets that F2 title, he's not linked with him at the moment. But maybe give Sargent another year to develop. And Djokovic is flying at the moment. In a car that's not the quickest on the grid. Sorry, Shah. I'm just waffling. No, I know. It's kind of a hard one. Because my heart, like to say Nick DeVries. However, Dan reminded me yesterday that he's no spring chicken. He's twenty seven. He's twenty seven. Isn't he now? He's, um, a, he's an old boy. Well obviously like you know he's not like Alonzo old in sense forty one, but compared to someone who like Drogovic who's so much younger, who has so much more potential of like we're basically he's got time on his side more than Nick DeVries. So it's such a hard one because, see, I feel as well the last few years we haven't actually seen Nick DeVries be in like 
the FP1 sessions um, and things like that for Merck. And whereas this year we've already seen him twice and he's done pretty well. And I feel like he has put his name much more in the map than it had beforehand. So, yeah, it's a hard one. But I wouldn't be surprised if, unfortunately, Nick DeVries didn't get it. Do you know what? I, it really I don't back me. that. I don't back that. It really pains me, but I kind of have to agree because, you know, my heart is just crying out for Nick to get a go. And also, you know, like, he's, like you said, Shai, he's proved himself twice this year in the Merck test. And I saw him get a lot of slander after that um, FP1 test to Paul Ricard because he came behind Albon. I was thinking, are you look clueless. Albon drives that car, you know, week in, week out. De Vries is in Formula E most of the time. You know, this, this is his first time actually driving that Merck this year. And people are saying, oh, you know, he's washed, he's lost to Williams. Mate, he was five temps off of Russell. Temps. I know I'm biased, right? But people yeah, but on five Twitter. Five temps is really good. That is very good for you know one hour in a Formula One car to get five temps with Russell, who is a pole position holder. People need to just open their eyes up a bit. At the time. Okay, he wasn't at the time, but Daniel's technicalities here. Um, <laughs> and in a sport that requires more technicalities than any, we won't yeah. use technicalities. We, we, we don't use technicalities. Uh, but yeah, that, that that was ridiculous. I mean, okay, I do want to agree, but I think it'll be Logan Sargent purely because he's American, and you know, three races in the US next year. I think Williams That's a fair probably be looking into that commercialization of having an American driver. I've also seen rumours that Haas want to have Sargent in as well. You know, American well, team, American, American driver. Team, yeah, makes sense. Races in America next year. The argument that I'll make still is. If Djokovic wins F2, what is... And I feel like every driver that wins F2, if they don't go in F1, or even if they're in the top two, we're like, why have they not got a seat in F1, this, that, and the other? Djokovic's name's never mentioned. So, like, what makes him less sort of up there than everyone else? I know he's not in a young driver program, but he's got a decent amount of money behind him. He's had a few years in F2 to kind of develop, as did Joe. And now Djokovic is... Flying don't, compared don't to don't get what me started actually on people. Sorry, this is going to Devry again. People who <laughs> Devry was in F2 for a while, so was Joe, so is Drogovic, right? Yeah. Okay, granted, he hasn't done like a Leclerc or a Russell, you know, go in, win it first season. Schumacher was there for two years. People need to just shut up, right? <laughs> There's this thing, right, as well, that Alonso said, right, and I really, really agree with it. Basically, people, there's only about 15% of Formula One, Formula One fans who actually like care about the sport. The rest of it, they care about certain drivers or the sort of drama behind it. But there's only some number of people who actually know who are. People often think you know, that if a driver is at the back of the grid, they're just rubbish straight away. They don't understand the technicalities. Okay, now I'm bringing the technicalities. I know I just said that the technicalities, but I'm bringing them in. I just feel like the fan base is getting lost. It's getting lost. <laughs> and, I, and it's I mean, really the whole getting listenership at this podcast is F1 fans, and you're just insulting every single one of them. No, but I think as fans, we need to have a look at ourselves and think, you know, I mean, don't go wrong. Like, I love you know F1 is is getting so much bigger now, but I just think like the the social media side of it. I mean, maybe it's all the time, and just because there was no Twitter, we never saw it. But I think it's so toxic. Yeah. People really don't understand, you know. Formula One, and they just put out outlandish opinions. And I know I'm only talking from the three perspectives, but they will actually just do anything with any driver who they don't like. And it's getting it's getting tribal. It's, it's becoming very football-like. And Formula One isn't football, so let's keep it as Formula One. Rant over. Next segment. Thank. You.
Right, let's move on to the Hungarian Grand Prix, which was a race that Bottas made past the first corner this year. It was a race <laughs> of strategy. It was a race where Nicholas Latifi topped FP3, which was the highlight of the weekend. You can't Some other say things happened Dad. as well. Stop it. <laughs> he did top FP3. Yeah, but this is mm. not a headline. It is a Williams in P1 and P3 for Albon. <laughs> You don't. Look, it made my day. Okay. The thing with um, the thing with Latifi is that he did a purple sector in Q1. <laughs> Please don't mention this. Still managed. And then was last. <laughs> he messed up the final Only corner. The it wasn't his fault. Well, it was his fault because he messed but it up. I, but like, mate, Only honestly, the goat when I saw when I saw him, when I saw him, oh, we're gonna get cancelled. When I saw him, <laughs> purple sector, because they had him on the bottom of the screen, I was thinking. Is, is Latif going to put it in the top five here? What's going on? Mate, I thought and he was the, getting pulled. And, and they did a green second sector, and I thought, wow, this must be quite a good map. And then he was lost. <laughs> I was like... Oh, it still oh. breaks my heart to this and then day. I, and then I'm thinking, like, have they just like messed up the graphic and just given them like the wrong person's name? <laughs> They've just gone, Latif will be lost. Oh, he wasn't quick. Change it, and they hadn't changed it in time. Fair play to F1, though, for making a Latifi P1 graphic quite so quickly. Like, that's pretty goddamn impressive. They, they probably had it, like, stored away just in case. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> like, what? In case of emergencies. <laughs> I bet, like, the Canadian anthem is so far down the podium list by now. Yeah, like, when, when, ages. When did they last? Do you know what? That's a good question. Good quiz question, that. Who's the last uh, Canadian driver? Jack Villeneuve? The it must have been Jack Villeneuve. And that was a while ago. Um, anyway, on to the actual dramatic events of the weekend. Georgie, George Russell, P1, pole position. Pretty impressive, George to be fair. Coming from a Bottas fan, that's pretty goddamn impressive. That came out of absolutely nowhere, didn't it? I, you know, I don't think anyone saw him getting pole, because it looked like it was going to be between the Ferraris. And then, yeah. pop, here comes George Russell. Great lap as well. Um, deserved it. Mr. Saturday is back. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. It was an amazing result. Um, not because any of us didn't expect him to be able to do it. It was more, I guess, when he was setting the lap. There was no purple sectors. Yes, he was doing personal mm. best, but, you know, Charles um, set, like, an incredible time. No, Shines. Oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry. Well, I think Charles set a pretty good time. Then Signs, like, by much more. Um, and you thought, okay... He's got pole again. Nice job. Congrats, Carlos. You know, Max has had a real blunder down in P10. Yeah, wasn't it? And then all of a sudden, George went, Phew! now I'm going P1. Honestly, so deserving. It was a long time coming. Um, and yeah, just a really great achievement. He always does go well around Hungary. He said before he really enjoys that circuit. He obviously got points here, or here, there, last year. Here, there, everywhere. Last year. Um, but to stick it on pole is pretty impressive and to keep the lead off the line as well I think yeah. that's the second time and secure in 2020 that he's had real pressure on the line and both times he has absolutely nailed it so yeah, fair I, play I guess Sakir there was drag racing Bottas which is you know Bottas isn't exactly renowned for his starts um, <laughs> so I can't take it from that there was no <laughs> lead was there <laughs> Sorry, mate, it's very thankful. No, but you've done well. Um, I, I guess you're starting on the sauce, which probably helps me a bit. Yeah, it was quite cold with the yeah. rain. 
But you know what, as well, Merck were nowhere on what Friday, and really then Saturday was just amazing. Sunday, we'll get on to, they're really good pay. So, it'll be interesting to see if they can do that in Spa in a few weeks' time. Well, it's becoming like a, a reoccurring thing with Mercedes of having a really bad Friday and they discover mm. that they're set up completely like dreadful that cannot be done. And then, you know, I think in practice on Saturday it's a lot better, but they're still maybe a bit nervous. But then they've been doing well in qualifying the last few weeks. Um, and hopefully they'll be able to challenge for pole more often. I agree. I want to see a Lewis pole. I want to see a Lewis win. Um, I do too. Anyways, there's only one place to really start in the race, and that is the Ferrari strategy. What on earth was going on there? Now, I mean, you know, we're an honest bunch here. We didn't watch the race live. We watched the first bit, and then obviously we were at the Formula E. But me and Charles were next to each other. We had the F1 timings on one of our phones. We had the FE timings on the other one of our phones. When we saw Leclerc onto hards after seeing how poorly the hards had performed through various reports on Twitter and stuff, we were really shocked and we thought, oh, it's all right, we're obviously just missing something because we're not watching it live. What were they doing? Please answer that question. Okay, I'll do my best. Uh, they were doing their best to throw away this title. Um, it's, that's what they were doing. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jay. I, I mean, that am I wrong? No. No. <laughs> I'm just trying to think back to the last race where Ferrari, either the driver or the team, didn't make a blunder. Austria and... for Charles. Yeah, but for but just like the whole team, they had like a, a really competent weekend, and I think it was Saudi. Oh, yeah. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but I uh... think what Australia signs I mean, crashes. You put me on the spot here. Uh, Imola Leclerc mistake. Yeah. Uh, Monaco, Mi don't even stop me. <laughs> well, well, with Miami, well, actually, I, I guess Miami. Miami, Miami, there was no mistake, they just wasn't fast enough. So I guess Miami, I stand corrected, but obviously Monaco, strategy, Barcelona, engine failure, Baku, engine failures, uh, Canada, Leclerc starts from the back, Canada, Britain, strategy, what's after Britain? It was Austria. Oh, well, science one in Britain, so... He did, but they should have looked like that, you know, comfortably. Uh, they almost let Hamilton win that in the end, or Perez. Austria, signs blows up, and then, um, what, Paul Ricard crashes, and then strategy this weekend. They have, they've had. They have had a stinker. Three competent race weekend out of, what, 11 now it's been? 12? 12, I think it's been 12. 12 races, and they've had three good. You cannot go for a world championship and only be competent a quarter of the time, as a team that is. And you know, I do feel really sorry for the Ferrari fans. You know, they've been given an amazing car this year. Do you know, I feel sorry for as well. Dynamics is at Ferrari because they have nailed the regulations this year. That car is so good on through the corners, especially compared to the other other cars. But it's the team lets them down. The strategy lets them down. The drivers are letting them down. It's just you know, it's the history of the Ferrari. Uh, right, there's no uh... need for that quote, is there? <laughs> <laughs> Some people already know why that annoyed me. Some will have no idea. Dan is a Spurs fan. But, um, I think yeah, there's like to... Yeah. <laughs> they just do all they can to uh, not win this championship. And I don't think it's a case of Red Bull winning this championship. It's a case of Ferrari losing it. 
They've done an Arsenal for top four. They've completely they've, bottled yeah, it. They've done an Arsenal. Dan's definitely trying to get back at me there. <laughs> yes, I am. They've completely bottled it. And, you know, it just hurts my brain. How like The clown meme with them on the pit wall is, you know, a meme <laughs> and all that. But it's every weekend we have a reason to bring it out. And it's like, stop giving us excuses to banter you. Go on, Sha, what are you saying? Well, I feel like the Ferrari strategies is just... It's been an ongoing thing. I keep going every week. Why are they doing this with the Ferrari strategy? What are they doing? I've just searched who it is, just because I was intrigued to know. Oh, um, name and shame. Wow. Yep. In uh, Sorry. He's, so he's, he's, no, he's a Spanish Formula One engineer, apparently. <sighs> Inakai Rueda is the name, I believe. And I, I mean... don't think that's the worst I said. But... In regards to Hungary in this weekend, okay, Charles started on the mediums. Fair enough. And as you'll know, or if you don't know, you have to change your compound at least once during the race. It seemed to be a two-stop race in this race, sometimes through some drivers, but it was not a one-stop. We had people on the medium immediately go to the hards. That was not working for many people. Exhibit A is Alpine. They were doing really well. And then they were out of the top 10 on the hard tyre and dropping, 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 dropping down. Um, so, you know, they they put Charles on the medium and then pitted him again for the medium. That obviously hit them with another pit stop. There was a potential chance of rain, so there was always that fear for the drivers. But seeing how bad the hard tyres were doing from about, you know, at just maybe under half of the drivers or if not half of the other drivers in the race, you think, oh, you know what? People aren't able to really get going on these hard tyres. We should maybe tell Charles to go longer on both of the medium stints and then go to a soft tyre so then he could be more racy. But no, they continued their strategy and went to the hard tyre and then Charles was eaten alive and then he had to come in to get the soft tyre. Now, I do not understand it. It's just wasting time. It's what happened in Monaco. He was leading and then they pitted him and then he was people and he should have won the race. It's it's, it's just getting extremely tiring. Haha, <laughs> tyres. Um, it's just <laughs> getting really tiring that this is becoming... Uh, sorry, Dan. A reoccurring occurrence for Ferrari. And I don't know how many more times this can keep happening for Charles because if it's not a mistake from him or, you know, so pit stop or anything like that, it's coming onto the strategy. And they are, like Jay saying, throwing away his chances of winning this championship. It is now Max's to lose. Like, if Max loses this championship, that is going to be, the like, insane. Um... He won't. He won't. He won't. Sure. I mean, he won't. It's not over till it's over. Let's be real. But it's over. It's over, Dan. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, on paper, it is. He needs to retire three and a half times before Leclerc can even catch up. If Leclerc wins every race, he's 80 points ahead and all this kind of stuff. You know, ne- never say never. Max was obviously not 80, but he was 40-something points ahead at one point last year. And I know he won it, but you know he very, very nearly lost it. So that could have gone either yeah, way. Never, never say never. But Leclerc was forty points after still, uh, uh, Australia. Australia. Like you, you never know. But it, I mean, if he does lose it, just, I don't even know really. Red Bull must have hired Ferrari strategist. I think there is a much larger chance of Merck overtaking Ferrari for P two than there is for Ferrari overtaking Red Bull for P one. 
yeah, go on, sure. Um, I was just going to say, so Matteo Bonotto has also said that he believes that the tyre strategy wasn't their biggest downfall. What was mm -hmm. it? He said, <laughs> when we fitted the hard tyre, the simulation there? was that it could have been a difficult couple of laps of warm-up, slower than the medium for 10 to 11, and then it would come back and been fast at the end of the stint, and it was a 30-lap stint. So based on the analysis, we knew that the hard was not as fast, but it could have been as fast 11 laps into the stint. Yeah, we've seen that a few times this season. That completely makes sense. However, you've got to look at everyone else's um, results and all their data because you have access to that and so many drivers were saying these are just not working it just seemed like they couldn't fire them up correctly and we saw someone like hamilton easily charge into p2 we doing two medium stints and then the soft and it's i just i don't i just don't understand it um and especially saturday you know max Verstappen had a really really bad qualifying um he had an issue with a lot of loss of power with his Red Bull, um, which led him to qualify P10. And, you know, that was their pole to have, really, for Ferrari. Obviously, still pretty good, two and three. But I thought, okay, with Max being that far back, this could be Charles's chance to gain his, like a bigger point advantage than just P1 and P2. Like, if Max could finish outside of the podium finishes... Um, or anything like that, that would really help for Charles to gain that advantage back in the championship. But no, no, P6 finish and P4 for Carlos. Like, yeah. They just suck, really. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's brutal, <laughs> but it's it's not really wrong. Um, anyway, let's move on from Ferrari because we could genuinely be here all day talking about quite how badly they messed it up. But we don't want to be. Max 1 from 10th, good. I don't really think we need to talk about that too much. But P2 and P3 from Mercedes is pretty impressive. Russell wanted more, obviously, because he came third and started on pole. But for Merck, when they, compared to where they were at the start of the season, that is a really good result. Well, I was just going to very quickly say, you moved on from Max quite quickly. However, if we think about it, apparently, I saw a statistic uh, and fact that he has never won a race from lower than P4. So from P10 to P1, it's an extremely good result. And for us, obviously, like Dan said, we didn't get to watch the race live. Um, so when we saw he won, we kept discussing between ourselves going, how did he do that? Um, and obviously the strategy completely worked perfectly for Red Bull, well, for Max's side of the team anyways. Um, but yeah, it was just a really dominant performance and even with a spin, he still won. The pace was insane. But very, very quickly going on to Mercedes, a really good result. Obviously George wanted more, but I think we all knew that, you know, Red Bulls and Ferraris would be quite a big competition, I think, for George to like, hold him back. Um, but for her to get from P7 to P2, second, oh god, it's so difficult to say, second consecutive second podium, crikey, in a row, um, is an amazing goal. And obviously it's their consecutive double podium for Mercedes, so even mm -hmm. more promising. Love it. 
Yeah, I don't know. I was saying earlier that on Friday, Merck seems to be an over, but they just seem to understand the car by Saturday. And then by Sunday, they're really good. Hamilton's are what, on a hot streak of what, five podiums in a row? Indeed. And, you know, there's some tracks coming up which might maybe suit them. You know, fast corners. Maybe Zandvoort might suit them quite nicely. Uh, Japan, when we get there, that might suit them. You know, because a lot of sweeping corners that might really favour Merck. So. I'd be very surprised if they don't win at least one race this year. It's like they're not quite back, but they're certainly a lot closer to the top two uh, than they were. Yeah, I agree. And I think Lewis is kind of proving that he's still a step above George recently. Agree? Disagree? I, I think, agreed. I think he took I'm that poll personally. He took the poll personally, didn't he? And he thought, yeah, yeah, I think I'm... he did. I'm still the big dog in these parts, mate. Yeah. Other highlights. Lando P7. Another double point to Alpine. Vettel P10. Good point for him. Stroll 11th. Ricardo, you know, miles behind. How did he really. qualify ninth right. and not there? Right. Okay. Let and that me movie, sorry, that movie done on the Alpines was so good as well. He also exactly. took Stroll so, out. Right. Okay. Here we go. Let me just, just stop. So, let me explain. He was doing really, really, really well. Then he was battling with Stroll accidentally and, you know, they were battling, fair enough. I think the five-second penalty was extremely harsh, personally. Um, yeah, they came together. However, Stroll very much, very quickly was able to overtake Daniel Ricciardo. And I think basically... No, hold on. I think... Um, I think there was some sort of damage. There was something that happened after that. Like, for him to have kind of just stayed down there there's definitely reason because before that we saw that he was being you know he was fast he was racy he was overtaking the alpines we're on the hard tires and struggling um <laughs> um and he was in the points you know he was comfortable with Lando for a majority of the time and i think after that um collision and i don't think he actually finished p15 it was just after his five second penalty um I just think it was unfortunate turn of events for him. I mean, he was so far from the apex. Like you look at you look at turn harsh. is it turn four in Austria that Russell that Perez went off and Russell got a five second penalty because he drifted wide and was miles away from the apex. It's not a lot different. It was entirely Ricardo's fault. Ricardo was nowhere near the apex, and I just think it was clearly a penalty. Personally, Stonewall, I would say. Uh, can't I? I do not remember this happen. <laughs> I know I like this on Channel 4, so I am in no position to judge. But if you're saying that it's similar to Austria, then I will side with Sean. Only because. Right, no. Thanks no, I'm not having so this. much. <laughs> Only because, I love right? You, I, I sort of don't get the argument of, you know, apexes. Because, end of the day, the track's the track. You're, you're allowed to take any line you want for the track as long as it's not like you're not weaving or you know just cutting someone up if, if he's just you know missed i mean if he sort of if if ocon not ocon, sorry, if strolls on the outside of him if it's, and he just sort of goes into him it's fun because obviously there's understeer and like that I, I mean i'd have to see it but actually i'm going to be neutral i'm not going to get involved you guys can slug it out boring <laughs> i'm sitting on the fence right, here you go live scenes <laughs> Of Jay watching the incident. I mean, you can't hear anything. Wait for the wait for the second angle. Ricardo's on board. 
Give it a minute. This is really oh. interesting for the audio listeners. Oh, yeah, he locks yeah, up I his front think... and hits him. I just think. Yeah, I... no, yeah. I can't. Sorry, Charlotte. I'm gonna have to do a U-turn. Uh, like, watch his me. watch his front tire. Watch his his inside front tire. He locks he locks up, and he punts into him. Well, Can't be doing up. that. Locks, locks it, bonk. Up. Yeah, but that is that's his fault. Alright, okay, whatever. Yes. I win. <laughs> <laughs> I'm One not agreeing. I'm just saying whatever. Um, Bottas was the only. Let's talk about Bottas retiring. <laughs> two years in Hungary, two DNFs, and lucky set. This one wasn't his fault though. Alpha were literally nowhere this weekend. The same yeah, as Alpha. They, they were he shocking. He was miles away. I'm um, upset. Yeah. Big break now. It's kind of it's, it's a bit sad, really. Yeah, <laughs> three weeks until, until Belgium. Well, we got the Formula E uh, finale in two weeks' time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll head there in Seoul. That'd be cool. I mean, I'm pretty sure I've wrapped it up. There'd be two wins for Merck in two years and another constructor championship for them there. That would be like their yeah. third in years I think so they're flashing and they're leaving next year as well um, McLaren are coming in so it'll be interesting to see how that changes but um mm. yeah there's still plenty of motorsport to keep on top of and hopefully this year we'll actually get a Belgian Grand Prix yeah fingers crossed hopefully we get a lights out and away we go um I just wanted to comment on something Ricardo said after the French Grand Prix which made me laugh um we didn't do a French Grand Prix review but after the race Ricardo was asked to rate his performance out of 10 and he thought about it and he said um minus 46 was the number that he settled on mm-hmm. and I think that just sums up his season really That's he, closing fault there Yeah do you know what though I would have said Ricardo to Aston but clearly not but I'm still yeah, back in Chugovic for that Williams seat. I'm back in it, the Reaver that Williams seat. Um, I just really want to do a very quick mention for Dub Series for this weekend. Ah, yes. Um, Fire away. Fire away. Well, as we uh, have seen, Jamie Chadwick in the previous five rounds has won every single race. We were on to round six in Hungary um, and she actually qualified P5, so it gave her a bit of work to actually get up there. Um, However, Alice Powell, championship rival from last year, took her first win of the season um, and led left English, left Jamie Chadwick <laughs> to claim P2. It was a very good fight for Jamie Chadwick. She did some amazing overtakes. Um, and there was a drama. We actually even saw Nerea Marty um, collide with her teammate, I believe, and fall back right down the order after having a good qualifying on... Um, Friday or Saturday um, but yeah it was a really good W Series race and very interesting I mean still an amazing result for Jamie Chadwick but um, yeah first not win of the season I'm glad she didn't win not because I'm a Jamie Chadwick hater but because you imagine if she won every single race this season how bad that would look for W Series so I'm glad you know someone else actually took a win just for the oh, yeah. integrity of the series as well as much as she just needs a better seat. We say this yeah. every episode, and you know, no matter what we say, nothing's gonna happen based on what we say. But she's just gotta get a seat in a championship with a car that can win a race in an FIA Formula insert number smaller than three here championship. Right, do you know what? I'm gonna leave the, the listeners with a closing thought then before we do your outro and we say goodbye. There's two people in motorsport currently who deserve 
better seats. <laughs> One is Jamie Chadwick, the other is the three. Dan, take oh it away. Oh my god, I can't I believe I've got to say, follow that. I was just going to say, bringing it back to the beginning of the podcast, where I mentioned Juvenazzi and Ocon, and I said how they're forgettable, but now they're doing really good. I think I should say Jamie Chadwick's forgettable in the hope that then maybe she yeah. will move on. Oh, I see. I was really baffled going by that logic. But she's obviously very not forgettable. But maybe if I say she is, then maybe she'll uh, be in like Formula One next year. Maybe she'll be in the Williams. Why is no one saying that? Because I, I think, I think I there's got to be an got, intermediate I don't step. She's got the the super license points to go to Formula One yet. Yeah, I think she needs an F two campaign or two and she's do really so well. She's so forgettable. She's going to be in F one next year. The Charlotte. Heard it here first. <laughs> I mean, that would be pretty mad she's so young as well i think people forget how young she is she's what 21 22 no i'm she's sure she's she? really young i'm searching she's definitely not older she's than 24 thank you i knew she's she was older than me yeah I thought she was really young okay well that is still young in terms of motor she's racing still young. so plenty of time to couple of seasons in f2 26 f1 debut when you're 27 sounds good to me jay who else is 27 um who is 27 um okay no i know it's near the three but i was trying to think of someone else who's 27 so you don't sort of take the character's age uh who's 27 in f1 i would guess signs Maybe I don't I think know. I'd planned that so well yeah, as well. Yeah, no, sorry, like, sorry. He's twenty-seven. Who else Carlos is twenty-seven. Knowledge. I am oh, well, an encyclopedia. Ruin now. Anyway, I don't know what to say. Um, yeah, thanks very much for listening. Follow us on Twitter at underscore track talk. Give us a five-star review on iTunes and Spotify. That really helps us out. Fingers crossed we will be back soon, bringing some stuff over the summer break. A couple of guests, hopefully. We'll see what happens. Jay and Shah, thanks for coming on and chatting about Hungary, about the Formula E, about all the news. And hopefully we will be back soon. Uh, we will. I mean, I'm not sure if you're going to edit that out. We've <laughs> done it in one take. That will be heavily edited, and I'm going to pretend I did that outro all in one take. Anyway, thanks very much for listening. We'll see you all next week. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you.